0: Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. In this second series of the podcast, we're reading Wings of Grey by the author Gwiel. Like all my stories, I found Wings of Grey on the website literotica.com, And you can find Gwiel's stories too by searching for him as an author. For those who haven't caught it in previous episodes, Gwiel is spelt G-W-E-A-L-L. As I'm sure you know, I do not read the chapters ahead of time, I read them for the first time as I'm recording them for you, so I don't know what's going to happen in the sixth chapter of Wings of Grey, which is the one we're about to get stuck into. To give you a quick info download on the statistics, chapter six is a pretty short chapter, it's only 1.9 thousand words, it's got a 4.04 rating which is, I think, the lowest rating we've had for a chapter within this particular series, and that means that this chapter is the first chapter of Wings of Grey that we've read that isn't rated H for hot. It has nonetheless had 21.6 thousand views, and 17 people liked it. However, despite those 17 likes, I get the impression that this is a somewhat controversial chapter. It's worth mentioning that this was intended by the author to be the final chapter of the series, but they've also included a little note to the reader at the top of the chapter which says, "Okay, here's the last chapter. I really want a lot of feedback for this one, because if a lot of people really don't like the ending, then I will put out an alternate ending. But I hope I don't have to. Thanks to my editor, Smiley Face. And it seems like Gwil's wishes came true because there are 71 comments at the end of this chapter. That's more comments than I think all of the other chapters of all the other stories we've read on this podcast have had put together. So I don't think we're going to get the chance to go through all of them. I'm going to have to do some work to pick out some of the more interesting ones and give you a gist of what the general consensus is. And of course, I'll make sure that we touch base with all our regular commenters, if any of them have anything to say. I think it's also worth mentioning that there is an alternate ending. So although this chapter is a finale to the story, it's not going to be the last one in this series of the podcast. To recap on what happened last time, Alex was still recovering from the injuries he sustained during the attack. He's off school. And he's living with Mike's family. Mike, meanwhile, is going to school, but he's bringing back homework, etc., for Alex. And they're kind of doing things at the weekends and after school to get out and about. The big drama last time was a shopping trip which was interrupted by the big bully, Randall. And it looked like he was going to attack Alex again. He was certainly giving him the business verbally when Mike showed up to save the day. And there was a brief verbal confrontation between Randall and Mike before Randall kind of walked off and I guess decided he wasn't a match for Mike, perhaps. But it was pretty distressing for Alex, so distressing that they had to go home instead of doing the shopping that they'd planned to do. And once they got home, they realised that they were home alone, and so they got into bed and had quite a steamy sex scene, which they both enjoyed a great deal. And we left the couple in a post-coital embrace with Alex slipping off into pleasant dreams of what it might be like in the future with Mike, starting a family, owning a house, and growing old together, which seemed like a very happy ending. So it is a little bit sad to see that the subtitle for chapter six is Mike Says Goodbye. So maybe that's why there's 71 comments. <laughs> Perhaps that's not the ending that people wanted. However, I'm not going to speculate any more as to what people's grievances were with this chapter until we have read it. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Put the last of the dishes away and looked around the house again. He liked to clean while Mike was at school and he'd finished his own work. Mike's parents wouldn't let him pay for letting him stay here, so he was glad to help cook and clean. Alex walked into the living room and saw the clock on top of the TV. Lunch will start soon, he thought to himself. I want to surprise Mike and take him to lunch, Alex said. He grabbed Mike's mum's car keys and stepped outside. He went to Mike's favourite Chinese food place and ordered Mike's favourite and some rice and chow mein. When he was given his food, he drove to the school and walked into the building. This had been the first time he'd set foot on the school property, since the attack. He swallowed his nervousness and walked into the cafeteria. He spotted Mike eating with a few people Alex didn't know. He didn't want to just walk up there and interrupt his conversation. He thought about what he should do, but before he could decide, Mike looked up from the table. He smiled brightly and got up to meet Alex. Once he'd reached the door, he wrapped his arms around the smaller boy and planted a kiss on his lips. Hi baby, what are you doing here? Not that I'm not happy to see you, Mike said, and kept Alex close to him. I thought I would surprise you with some lunch. Better than a sandwich, Alex said, and held up the Chinese food. Oh, you're far too good to me, Mike said, and kissed Alex again. He took the Chinese food and opened the to-go box. Ah, you know my favourites, how shall I ever repay you? Mike did a fake bow and kissed the top of Alex's hand. I think last night earned you this. You've no debt to me, loyal subject, Alex played along, and turned his nose up at Mike. Mike laughed and dipped him into a kiss, and nibbled at his ear. Alex was caught off guard, and almost screamed. Mike giggled when he brought Alex back up. Alex was blushing, and looked around the cafeteria nervously. No one was watching, except the people Mike had been sitting with. I should go. Lunch is almost over, and I need to give you time to eat, Alex said. No, please stay. I can share. Mike pouted, and hugged Alex closer. I have more homework to do, but thanks for the offer, Alex said. Mike sighed and kissed him again. OK, I'll see you when I get home, he said. OK, Alex smiled, and walked out of the cafeteria. He strolled down the hall and out of the front doors of the school. He walked down the steps, and then he heard the door to the school open behind him. Hey, scum, he heard. He recognised Randall's voice, and turned to tell him to leave him alone when he saw Randall pull a gun from his belt. He levelled it with Alex's chest, and Alex heard it fire. He was shocked by the force of being hit. He fell back what felt like four feet. His legs gave out, and he fell to the hard sidewalk, his head smacking the ground. His head spun, and his chest felt like a bomb had gone off inside it. He felt waves of pins and needles flow through his body. He tried to inhale, but the left side of his chest hurt too badly to breathe. He was beginning to suffocate and forced a breath. He felt blood gurgle up from his throat. He tried to stand and realised he couldn't feel his legs. His vision began to fade. He choked, and blood spattered upwards and fell back down to the sidewalk and back onto his own face. Waves of excruciating pain, like nothing he had ever felt before, hit him then. He lost his vision, and then it came back before finally he was surrounded by only darkness. I love you, Mike, he thought to himself at the last second before the darkness consumed him. Some time later. Mike stroked the feather he held in his hands gently, careful not to ruin the perfect form of it. He wiped away the single tear that fell from his face, and looked once more at the picture of Alex that sat on a beautiful grey casket. It reminded him of Alex's wings. He touched the smooth surface of it. Not as soft, Mike thought to himself. His parents were stood by the car, giving him time to say goodbye. The only thing that compared to the pain he was feeling about losing what he believed was the love of his life was the fact that so few people turned up for the funeral. Maybe only two kids from their school were there. There was one infected person who had spoken to Mike and said he was a friend of Alex's from the camps. He had read in the newspaper what had happened and wanted to pay his respects. Other than that, Mike, his parents and a teacher were the only other people to come. Mike sighed, and remembered what had happened when he heard the gunshot. He swallowed, and thought about the day that seemed so far away, though the pain from it was still so fresh. The sound of the shot was heard even through the thick noise of the cafeteria. Everyone looked up and around, but saw nothing. Several teachers began walking into the hallways to see what had happened. Mike frowned and followed the crowd of students that were following the teachers. When he finally got into the hallways, most people were crowded around the front door. Several people were on their cell phones, some telling friends or family what was happening, some, mostly teachers, on the phone with the police, giving them the school's address. Mike pushed forwards and saw three PE teachers holding down Randall. A gun lay a few feet from him. He was laughing, and looking at something down the front steps of the school. Several teachers were kneeling next to what appeared to be a figure on the ground. Oh God, please no! Mike felt his heart being squeezed with fear. He pushed through the crowd and a group of teachers next to the body. Not a body, please not just a body, Mike thought to himself. He looked down at the ground and saw Alex lying there, his face covered with blood. There was a puddle of blood beneath him, staining the sidewalk. The white shirt he had been wearing was now almost completely covered in red. It was dark black on his chest where what appeared to be a gunshot wound bled. The blood leaked from his head as well and made a trail down the sidewalk. So much blood, Mike thought. There's never this much blood in the movies. He didn't know if Alex was still alive then. He didn't know until hours after the accident. He had almost no pulse when the paramedics arrived. They wouldn't allow Mike into the ambulance with them. Mike had to meet them at the hospital and had sat there for hours, staring at the wall. His parents sat with him and tried to comfort him, but nothing they could try worked. Mike held a single feather that was untouched by the blood that had polluted the scene of the shooting. He held it and twirled it nervously. Every now and again he would begin to cry quietly, but most of the time he just stared at the wall, or at the door that surgeons would come out of after performing surgery. Four hours after they had arrived at the hospital, the doctor came out and asked for Alex's family. Mike and his parents stood, and explained that they were as close as it got. The doctor nodded. He looked uncomfortable for a second, and seemed to look at the ground for answers. Then he raised his head, and shook it sadly. Alex was gone. When the car pulled up to their house, Mike stood up and began walking to the side. "'I'll be back in a bit,' he told his parents, before he walked to the backyard. His mother opened her mouth to say something, but his father put a hand on her shoulder and shook his head, silencing her. Mike walked through the thin birch tree woods that were connected to his backyard. He spun the feather back and forth between his fingers. He didn't watch where he was going, he'd memorized the path by now, especially because of his first date with Alex.' We're almost there, Mike said, leading Alex through the trees with their hands still firmly locked together. Where is there? Alex asked. Be patient, Mike laughed. He stepped out of the woods and finally glanced up at the old barn. He looked back down at the feather and continued walking. He reached the barn and stepped inside. Beautiful isn't really a word I would use for this place, Alex laughed. He walked slowly towards the ladder that reached up towards the loft, He put his foot on the bottom rung, and it creaked under him. "'Is this really safe?' Alex said, testing his weight on the first rung of the shaky ladder. He finished climbing up the ladder, and managed not to ruin the feather on his way up. He sat on the hay, and looked out at the setting sun. The grass was brown, but still long and beautiful. The winter wind was cooler than it was back in the summer when Mike had brought Alex here. Mike swallowed his sorrow, and held back the tears that threatened to pour over. This wasn't meant to be a sad moment for him. He looked back out at the view. "'It's beautiful, isn't it?' Alex's voice echoed in his head one more time. He stood and walked to the wooden window. No dust had collected on the edge of it where Alex had stood the night Mike brought him here. He set the feather gently down on the surface, and touched it one more time before a single tear fell and hit the feather. The tear slid down the curled feather like a drop of water rolling off a duck's back. Mike swallowed and turned around. He climbed down the ladder and walked across the dusty, hay-covered floor. He stepped outside the barn and turned back, looking into the barn. It was dark, except for a single beam of light that shone in through the loft window. He took a deep breath and shut the door of the barn for the first and final time. The End Oh! That was, that was quite a sad ending. I can see why there were 71 comments upset with that, especially after the lovely way that it ended in the previous chapter. It felt like there was a serious future for Mike and Alex there, even despite everything they'd been through. I also think that that chapter felt a little bit rushed. I know that Gwil thanked his editor at the top of the chapter, but I have to say it was a difficult one to read because it really felt like it hadn't been well proofread. This really felt like a bit of a first draft. And I wonder if that's because Gwil wasn't 100% sure about where he was going with the conclusion of this story. I mean, he prefaced it with a kind of apology. I think he almost kind of knew that it wouldn't be the kind of chapter people were looking for as the end of this story. Because, you know, he's already preemptively saying, you might not like it, and, you know, if you don't, then I'll put out an alternate ending So I don't know. It it feels like there was maybe a lack of commitment to this chapter and felt like the quality wasn't as good as previous chapters. So I can see why people were a little bit disappointed. There is a little end note from the author, from Gwil. Again, it's a bit of an apology. They say, I know it was a sad ending, but I felt like that's how the story had to end. I'm sorry if you wanted a happy ending, but it wouldn't have felt right if I forced a happy ending out. I hope you enjoyed the story anyways. I do have another story coming up soon, so keep checking back for more. It may be a while, though. So that, to me, is maybe a little bit of an admission from Gwil that he was just over it when he came to write this final chapter. (laughs) That maybe even this wasn't supposed to be the final chapter, but maybe he'd got bored of writing Wings of Grey and decided to wrap it up quickly. It's maybe an ending that you could have had, A, if it had been done well, and B, if the pacing to get to this moment had been done properly. Kind of felt like it came out of the blue a little bit. So I suspect maybe that Wheel had already been working on this new story and got wrapped up in that, as a project as a consequence lost a little bit of interest in finishing what he'd already started here which is a bit of a shame anyway let's have a look at what did happen in this chapter so again it's Alex home alone doing chores and then he decides kind of out of the blue to do something which is not really a done thing It's a bit unusual to go and get takeaway for someone and then bring it to them in the cafeteria of school and then not even want to eat with Mike. That's the weird thing for me. I mean, I guess I could see it happening that you might, if you were off school and you had a friend who was in school and you wanted to hang out with them, maybe you would bring them lunch as a pretext for visiting, you know. And then you hang out and eat the meal together That seems like a nice thing to do. But Alex doesn't even hang around to eat the food with him, even though it seems like he's bought a bunch of stuff. Like he's bought Mike's favourite dish, plus rice and chow mein. So that's three dishes there. That's definitely enough for two people to share, for sure. So it's a little bit weird that he doesn't stay, even though Mike is urging him to do that. And it's weird that Alex lies about his reason for wanting to leave. We know that Alex had already finished his homework because he was doing chores to pass the time. And we don't really get an explanation as to why he would be so reticent to hang out with Mike. Although it's just occurred to me in the edit that actually Alex doesn't eat normal food. So maybe that's it. He just doesn't eat Chinese food. So he's not going to stay because obviously he's not going to eat that food. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that Mike is hanging out with some new friends. Friends who suspiciously have been absent from the rest of the story. Perhaps they might have been nice characters to be introduced to at some point in previous chapters. I would think I was saying a few episodes ago, isn't it weird that Mike and Alex are so isolated from everyone else, and that there's nobody that Alex could perhaps have made friends with that time when he was alone at school? And I think, again, it's sort of this trap that the authors created for themselves where it's like they had maybe some bullet points of what the narrative beats were, things that needed to happen for the story to progress, and they hadn't really thought carefully enough about how to include all of those things and still make it make sense. You know, like, Alex needed to have no friends in school, because otherwise those friends might have defended him from Randall, which means that Alex and Mike have to be isolated. But then in this chapter, Mike does have other friends because otherwise there wouldn't be a reason for Alex to feel nervous to stay and eat lunch with Mike in the cafeteria. So there's almost a sense that these narrative beats are inconsistent with what we know about the characters. They don't really... They seem like a pretty flimsy pretense to have things happen in a certain way with as little effort as possible, put into maintaining a sense of plausibility. So Alex leaves, and Mike doesn't really put up much of a fight. And if it is that Alex is worried about, you know, having to be introduced to Mike's friends, who he's eating lunch with already, you know, maybe if if I was in Mike's shoes, I would have said, let's go and eat this somewhere, just me and you. And it feels like the only reason that that doesn't happen is because Gwil needs Alex to be alone as he leaves the school. And he needs Alex to leave the school during lunchtime so that Randall can pop out with the gun and shoot him. Speaking of Randall and the gun, I felt like that kind of came out of nowhere. I know that we've had a few moments where Randall is clearly an extremist and he's a bully, he's quite mean, and he's quite sure of his bigoted beliefs. He's not shy about the way he feels. But I don't think we'd had enough build-up of him as a nasty character, to feel like he was the sort of person who would bring a gun to school and murder somebody in cold blood like that. (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty wild escalation. At least to me, it's a little bit out of nowhere. And had there been more time put into the development of Randall as a character, we might maybe have seen this coming. You know, maybe it would have been nice to see something more from Ethan, who was Mike's old friend who was tempted onto the dark side by Randall, perhaps have a bit of a crisis of conscience when he realises that Randall has got a gun and intends to shoot Alex, and maybe he could have maybe given a bit of a warning or something like that. But it feels like if you're going to have a character pull out a gun and kill one of the main characters, then you can't just have that come out of the blue. That has to be something that's foreshadowed in some way. Otherwise it feels unjust and a bit clumsy, I suppose. Also the fact that the act of Alex getting shot happens very quickly. There's no standoff or any kind of tension to the scenario. It's just a couple of lines. It happens so suddenly. And the next moment there is Randall behind him. He says two words, hey scum, and then shoots him to death. And that's it. It's all done in a fraction of a second, and then we spend quite a long time in Alex's internal self with lots of descriptions of what it feels like to get shot. I feel like that's an odd thing for Gwil to have focused on, rather than the dramatic bit, which is the act of shooting. Even the moments before shooting could have been quite tense and dramatic, but instead all the drama is packed into what Alex is feeling after he's already been shot. And I think that's a weird place to put so much focus. That's not the exciting part of the scene for me, at least. The story jumps forward in a pretty jarring way as well. I think we didn't necessarily need to jump straight to the funeral and then have Mike's side and point of view of what happened on the day Alex was shot happen as a flashback. That seems like an odd way to do it. To flash forward several weeks, only to then flash back to what was happening at the time of the incident. I think that could have been handled a little bit more smartly. And just more chronologically. You know, why can't we have... If it was me writing it... <laughs> I mean, if it was me Well, there's a lot that could be said there, so I won't go down that rabbit hole. But I think I would have had the moment the gun goes off and then maybe a bit of tension with the audience not necessarily knowing whether the bullet has hit Alex or whether it missed or whether there's anything else to happen between Randall and Alex. And then using that moment to cut to Mike hearing the shot and then rushing out to then find that, in fact, it was a fatal gunshot. That would have been a smart way to do it. Um, but again, I think this chapter suffers from having been rushed. And I think it only takes a brief proofread to see that there are some strange decisions made, I think, just out of being hasty to get this chapter released and to wrap up the story that I think Wheel was probably bored of by this time. As we've discussed, he's probably a teenage boy. And if my experience as a teenage boy is anything to go by, that's a pretty understandable thing to go through I certainly started lots of projects that I got bored with and hastily wrapped up just to say that it was finished in a way I think it feels a little bit more satisfying to do a bad ending to something rather than to have it hanging over you unfinished so I wonder if that's what was going on here I was a little bit worried for Mike when he went out to the old barn I was thinking maybe he was going to commit suicide and sort of leave the feather there as a kind of suicide note. I thought that's where that was going. So I was a little bit relieved to see that he was able to physically close the door of the barn and at the same time symbolically closing the door on his relationship with Alex. But again I think having built up this big dramatic moment where Mike is walking to the barn And we're getting all these flashbacks to the the moment where they went there on their first date. And it's, you know, it's almost, you can imagine it like a movie where there are black and white or maybe rose-tinted flashbacks to the memory of what a good time they had on that first date, interspersed with the more somber scene of Mike returning there after Alex's death. And it seems to build up in quite a, almost picturesque way. It's very romantic, to go back to this place that obviously has a great meaning. And I could sense a real build-up of emotion there as he's reliving that and revisiting the barn. It's the sun setting, which maybe is symbolic. But I thought, it's kind of set up for suicide, this whole scene, (laughs) you know? And I wonder... I. For me, I felt like maybe Mike kind of needed a reason to not kill himself, to to stay alive and decide to go on living. And we didn't really get that. We We didn't really learn what it was that gave Mike the strength to shut the symbolic barn door on his time with Alex. You know, how did he get over it? How was he able to get closure from this moment? Because it seemed to me like something that was building up to, you know, like a cathartic crescendo or, or, you know, like some kind of release. And we didn't really get that. We just got a single tear falling on the feather and rolling off it like water rolling off a duck's back, which is a terrible simile for the scenario. (laughs) Just cliched and inappropriate. (laughs) And then Mike swallows and turns around. And we don't get any insight into what's going on in his head at all, which is a shame, I think, because as an audience, maybe we deserve to know some of what Mike is thinking. And I think if we're to look at this story as something which might resonate with its readers, which might maybe be instructional for people who are facing, maybe not entirely the same scenario, but scenarios which are emotionally or perhaps in some ways comparable, that would maybe have been a nice moment for Mike to role model how somebody gets over something like that and set an example for dealing with a broken heart. Also, I think it's worth mentioning that there was zero sex in this chapter. And after all, this is an erotic story. It's there to titillate, and there was zero titillation. So that's a complaint, from me at least. Anyway, let's have a look at the comments. And because there are 71 of them, I'm not going to read them all. <laughs> But I will, what I'll do is I'll have a read of all of them myself and I'll read you the ones that are left by people who we've heard from before and ones which seem like they have something either new or interesting to say. You know, if there's something that's been said by someone else, I won't read ones that are repetitive like that. There's also a comment from Guil himself responding to some of the feedback, so I'll, I will definitely read that one as well. Our first comment from someone we've heard from before is Hot Lover 69 who just says simply, five stars. So that's nice. (laughs) They obviously weren't upset. Seeker71, who I think we've heard from before, says, No apologies. No apology is needed. This is the right ending for this story. Much respect for staying true to your characters. I will be on the lookout for your next story. Peace and joy. Shell. I guess that's their real name, is Shell. Or maybe that's an alias too, who knows. So they were surprisingly... I'm surprised, actually, that um, there are quite a lot of people in the comments who seem to really appreciate this ending and feel like it was fitting and that it was the right decision to make it a sad ending. And not only that, but it was a sad ending which was well executed. The online stalker, who I think we may have heard from before, says, "'Damn, I wasn't expecting that. You made me cry!' But it was a very moving chapter, and I love your stories, regardless of happy endings. So a fan for life in Online Stalker there. Nikki FL, who I think we've definitely heard from before, gives an unsmiley face, a sad face, I guess you would call it. She says, sorry, but I hate sad endings. Life is just too depressing for that. (laughs) I guess so. I mean, not every story can be a happy story, right? There's there's got to be a yin and a yang. And just because something's a fantasy doesn't mean it has to be a positive fantasy. That low girl says mean! Exclamation mark! That was just horrible of you. You created a character who's been through every hell imaginable. Show him his happily ever after in HD TV, and then kill him. <laughs> What about your readers who've been identifying with Alex all this time, comparing his life with their own, and seeing a thousand similarities? At first they're believing Alex is getting a H-E-A. I think that's happily ever after. Now there's no happily ever after for freaks like us, I guess. I love your stories, I do, but this one just shattered my dang heart. (laughs) I'm going and finding a pint of Ben and Jerry's to do a cheer-up. Please keep writing, just no more making the tears appear, and your editor seriously sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I I agree with the comment about the editor. The editor is terrible, and they thank them in every chapter, and I don't think they deserve even half the thanks that they get. I also love the the comment about him having his happily ever after in HDTV. <laughs> that comment's really showing its age, nine years ago. HDTV at that point must have been a relatively new thing, I suppose. Voodooda420 <laughs> says be true to your craft i hate that this is where they led you but it could be no other way life is not always happy and to borrow a quote from one of my other favorite authors happily ever after is just a way to end a story in a neat little package always be true to yourself and your characters i'm so glad to read your work thank you for sharing a piece of yourself with us That's a really nice comment, I think. And even though I don't really think that this ending was a satisfying one, necessarily, I do think that authors should be true to themselves and to the characters that they create. For me, the issue is not with it being a sad ending. It's to do with it being a rushed ending. And even if this is where the story was going to end up all along, I think we needed a little bit more preparation to get there. It kind of came out of the blue, as far as I'm concerned. There's a monster of a comment here from someone called Canned. or oh, actually, it's Canned. Two N's, not two A's. They say, I can't say that I'm happy with the ending. It is your story, so you have to tell it as you think it should be, but I just think it should have gone differently. I mean, Alex lived one hell after another. He had one good thing and dies before he can enjoy it. Mike knew what the kids that hated Alex were like. They hurt him twice, and yet he lets him walk off alone. I think Mike going to the barn was a nice touch if it had to end so sadly, but it just ended in a way that ruined the whole thing for me. I thought it was an awesome story, but it just never allowed Alex to change and grow as a result of the love they had. It was nice they had love in their lives, it was nice that Alex was accepted by Mike and his family, but I'd have liked to see him grow in confidence and grow in the light of Mike's love. I also still don't understand how he never showed a bit of a fight in any of the times he was attacked." How could a boy who was made to fight another boy, infected with a panther, have no inclination to defend himself or to do anything but fight and beg? He couldn't have survived doing that. I love your writing. I enjoyed the story until the end. I'd read your work again, but I really hope it isn't as depressing as this. I think that's a fair point about Alex's development as a character. He doesn't really gain any confidence. And even though Mike's love is a bit of a nice-to-have in his life, he doesn't really have a chance as a character to grow and develop. And I don't think that's a criticism of the way Alex's character has been written. I just think it's a comment on how short the story was and how little space there was for Alex to develop. A comment from an anonymous commenter here. Says the ending felt really rushed and very scattered. I did not like how it ended at all. I was looking forward to reading more of this story, but the ending really let me down. (laughs) Well, I guess that's all very well if you're an anonymous commenter, although I do agree with basically everything that they said. There's a couple, actually, I want to read you. The first one says, Ugh! This ending ruins the story. I thought the person in the comment section in one of the other chapters was being overly dramatic when they said they wouldn't read any more of your stuff because Alex got beat up and he'd already been through so much. But now I see what they were talking about. I understand not everything can end in rainbows and unicorns, and that as a writer you felt you couldn't squeeze out a happy ending. As the reader, though, this ending felt very rushed. It also felt like Alex was put in the story just to be a punching bag and nothing else. Disappointing. The other one I want to read is Awful, all caps. That was an awful ending, full stop. I really liked the previous chapters and thought the whole story had a unique plot, but really that was not how it should have ended. It was completely abrupt and did not fit in with the greater context. It's like saying give up and don't even try to change the norm because you can't. Extremely disappointed, and I don't think I'd like to read more from you in the future. <laughs> somebody was a bit salty weren't they (laughs) even though I do kind of agree I kind of agree with that interesting comment here from an anonymous commenter who says whatever happened to Ethan maybe I missed the conclusion of his storyline but as he was the instigator of the initial abuse I kind of feel like he merged into the Randall character Considering that you gave him some character development time in the beginning of the story, after the beating, there was no wrap-up or confrontation between him and Mike as former friends. Also, I don't mind the ending, however abrupt, because sometimes violence against another person is just that quick. But there is one detail I don't like. After the attack, no one was on their guard. Why didn't Mike or his parents vocalise that Randall was still out there, and that Alex should be careful? Yeah, I thought that was interesting... And I remember saying a few episodes ago that I was expecting Ethan to have some kind of character arc because it felt like an odd decision to introduce a character like Randall when you already have an antagonist in Ethan. And I thought maybe that was because Ethan would have some kind of redemption after testing the waters of you know, being a dickhead and meeting Randall. Maybe he'd realise that he was in too deep and have to backpedal a little bit. And in the end, he would become a kind of reformed villain who maybe helped Alex and Mike in the long run. But no, that didn't happen. Ethan was just forgotten about. And I think that's, again, because the author was rushing this chapter, and they'd forgotten the seeds that they'd planted in earlier chapters, and so we never saw the fruits that were grown from those seeds get harvested. Here's a comment from another anonymous person who says, Hmm, I'm all for making your story yours. I would love to say this, though. Can you make your next story also about a human falling for an infected? I feel you created a very great universe and suddenly this universe fell apart by a really mediocre story. Don't get me wrong, I love your stories, but here it felt rushed, so many gra- <laughs> actually, they put so much grammatical errors, <laughs> which is ironic. And plus, you left many characters with insanely bad cliffhangers. Please make the next one like that and talk about the event after his murder. Yeah, what about Randall? Is he charged with a hate crime? Inverted commerce. <laughs> or what? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Anonymous. A comment from Laurie1969, who says, Sniffle, sniffle. Okay, I'm writing this while crying my eyes out. A truly heartrending tearjerker. I loved it. And you're right, not all stories are happily ever after. There are quite a few comments like that that are really gushing about the emotional impact that this chapter had on them, so I won't read too many more of those. I think overall the the general consensus is either absolutely hated it, thought it was complete garbage uh, for various pretty valid reasons or because they just don't like a sad ending and wanted a happy one instead. On the other side, people are really happy with the ending, really found it very deeply emotionally impactful and are really excited for future stories support the author's decision to have a sad ending and to write it in the way they did, and just, you know, kind of gushing with praise. I don't think I'm going to read any more comments. I think that's kind of the gist of it. Those ones that I picked out are the ones I think that give the best insight into the kind of things that people are saying. If you want to go on to Literotica and read them all for yourself, you can do that. Details on how to find Gwil's stories at the beginning and end of the podcast I will, though, I'll read the comment that Gwiel, the author, left in response to some of the feedback. He says, Okay, I'm glad not too many people were pissed off, but I am planning on having another story set in the same world, and probably have Mike in college. But I'm also, don't read on if you don't want to know about my next story, planning on doing another story with Steve and Soph, and all of our friends from A New Kind of Love. I, wait, I guess that's some friends who are also authors who did a story called A New Kind of Love, and he's going to do one with those. I will post as fast as I can and try to have longer chapters. Okay, so that's what's going on. Him and his friend Stephen Sof, with whom he wrote a story called A New Kind of Love in the past, are now embarking on a new project. And so we've hurriedly wrapped up Wings of Grey. That's That seems like what's happened here. And then actually, just looking at the alternate ending, that was written quite a long time after the rest of the chapters. So all those chapters that we've had so far were written over the second half of March, whereas the alternate ending was written in December. So quite a long time afterwards, and I guess maybe that project's wrapped up and he's finally got time to go back to the world of Wings of Grey and do a proper ending. (laughs) in my opinion anyway we'll get to that alternate ending next week if you've enjoyed this chapter and if you're enjoying this story then i'll encourage you to head over to literotica.com and search for gwiel as an author it's spelled g-w-e-a-l-l and he's got a bunch of stories there on his author page for you to enjoy and you can also leave comments and rate the stories if you want to give some feedback Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying it, then please rate the podcast, leave a review. I will be back next week with the alternate ending, Two Wings of Grey. I hope that you've been enjoying the more substantial theme music for this series of the podcast. And with that in mind, I'd like to tease that next week I'll be debuting an acoustic version of that same theme tune. So that's something to look forward to. But until then, I wish you a very pleasant week. See you next time. Goodbye. So much grammatical errors, which is ironic.